Well, Merry Christmas, and we want to extend a warm fireplace welcome to this special Christmas episode of the Connecting Faith to Life podcast. I'm Trey Rhodes, the Connections Pastor at Northwood Baptist Church here in North Charleston, South Carolina. In just a few moments, our lead pastor and our head Christmas uh, cheerleader is going to be joining us in the conversation as well. In our crazy and chaotic world and at this busy Christmas season, our hope is that these few minutes will help you stop and reflect on your relationship with the Christ of Christmas as you learn to connect Christ-centered faith to your everyday life. Trey, that was really good. Thank you. I this, really like that. <laughs> well, this is week 24, Pastor, of the Connecting Faith a lot, uh, podcast. And is there anything significant about that? Well, a couple of things. Before I get to the significance of week okay. 24, that really was awesome. I like the, the sitting by the fireplace. Yeah. I don't know if people know this or not, but when we record this podcast, like we're like in a back room in the education building of our church. There is no fireplace around. But I just feel the warmth. You feel the warmth. Right Every here, right now. Every time we meet together, like, That's right. like just sitting around a fireplace. That, that was really nice. Okay, so it is episode 24, and if you are listening on the day that this podcast is released, then you are listening to this podcast on December 24th. Wow. It is okay. Christmas Eve. We designed that from Absol- the very beginning. From the very beginning. We knew that we wanted to get to episode 24 on December 24th. And we did it. We did it. Awesome. We didn't really design it that way. <laughs> Yeah, but you don't tell them that, brother. <laughs> I know, I know. But it really is cool the way it worked out, huh? It is. It really is. Are you feeling like you're in the Christmas spirit, Trey? I do. I, I'm getting, uh, I've actually uh, started that about Thanksgiving, just a few days before Thanksgiving this year. So yeah. uh, we, we got our lights out and we took your lead. You, you know, I'm, you're I'm early, you're yeah, early yeah, uh, yeah. decorator. And yeah. so we took your lead and er- decorated early as well. So what's your favorite Christmas tradition? Uh, well, I just like Christmas dinner and having <laughs> turkey. Um, I'm telling turkey. you that. You eat turkey for Thanksgiving and for Christmas. Yes, we do. We do. We're that's just terrible. One of those families. I know. I know everybody says you shouldn't, but, uh, but shouldn't. anyway, that's what we do. Okay. okay. I cook my turkey and everybody loves it. So that's how we work. Can you that's guess, how we roll. Can you guess my favorite Christmas tradition? Uh... Putting up lights. That's absolutely right. <laughs> that's what I love the most about Christmas is decorating my house. Do you know why? Tell me. Because I had a deprived childhood. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. yeah. My parents weren't big fans of putting the lights out. They, it, we did, they did a good job on the inside, the tree and was, all that kind of stuff. But not the exterior. Exterior wasn't really their thing. And, and I remember, you know, as we, you know, got a little bit older, you know, my boy's age, you know, seven, eight, nine years old, we started begging, hey, please put lights out, please put lights out. And my dad, he started putting some lights out, but they were always white lights because white lights are classy. Oh. And I, I, I just always wanted colored lights on my home and it just never happened. And then, and then, you know, uh, um, honestly, as I got older and got my own place, I, I didn't have the money to invest in a lot of Christmas lights. So I never got to it. And then when we finally had some money and we bought a house in North Augusta, it was in a, a classier neighborhood than the one I'm living in now. <laughs> no offense to my current neighborhood. <laughs> and so Stacy would not let me put out a color. In fact, here's what happened when we started putting out Christmas lights in North Augusta, uh, Luke, he was probably, I don't know, four years old, three years old. And, and he wanted colored lights like his daddy. I want colored lights. Daddy, I want colored lights. Stacy did not approve of the colored lights. And so I went to Costco and bought, I don't know, five or six boxes of lights. And I paid 20 something dollars a box for these lights because they were special lights because they had a switch. They could either be colored or white. 
And so I would come home, I'd put that the lights fancy. up, and, and I'd put them on color for a little while until Stacy found out they were colored. Then when she fussed at me, I'd change them over to white, and that's what we did. Oh, so you, that was your compromise. That was the compromise. Oh, kind of. Okay. And so, so then we moved here to the Charleston area, and we live in a neighborhood that's quite a bit different than the neighborhood we lived in in North Augusta, and everybody's tacky. So it's just great. So I was like, man, this is awesome. And so, man, I bought boxes and boxes and boxes of the colored lights, inflatables and everything else. And now I can be as tacky as I want to be. And it's great. Tell us about a couple of the inflatables you have. We have an eight foot snowman this year is new to our collection. And and it, he's great because he's got a light on the inside. So he, he changes colors and all that kind of stuff. And so Stacy has been uh, opposed to the inflatables as well, but she's getting a little bit better about it. So each year I've been able to kind of add one. So we bought last year we started with, we've only been here a few years so the inflatables are kind of new to us uh, got a couple of the cheap walmart you know four footers and last year we bought like a seven foot uh inflatable uh manger scene oh, and okay. and so this year we added uh frosty there in the front yard i don't know what we're gonna add for next year i, I saw someone on on facebook had a 15 foot reindeer in the yard that would uh, be awesome right yeah. so if i can find a way to make that happen we're gonna make that happen next year i, I don't think, know we don't have the yard space for it. it's the problem i don't even know where we're gonna put it but you know we're gonna do it 15 foot all right man i'm for it uh, we come to Christmas time, Pastor, and you know it's interesting because you know we we have a lot of tradition that mm. surrounds Christmas, and I have I really have very few issues with that. But you know what I'm concerned about, and I'm sure many people are, is that people have made up stuff that they think the Bible says. Yeah, and it really doesn't say it. Yeah. I was telling you a little early about the drummer boy thing. Somebody was asking me, "Where do you find that in the Bible?" Because they really meant they wanted to find it in the Bible. Yeah. And, it's um, a great song. Come they told me "Prumpa Pum Pum," but the "Prumpa Pum Pum" ain't in the Bible. Exactly. Right. So uh, you know, you have to wonder how much that we believe and have been taught from children. Yeah. And on the TV and everything and else, all the Christmas is made carols up. we sing and all you know? that kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's actually Christmas in carols scripture? Too. What's, yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. So we're so, talking about the day, Trey. Well, we're going to be talking about eleven surprising facts about the Christmas story. Eleven surprising facts about the Christmas story. And I think the first one is actually one of the most shocking to most people when I say this: Jesus was not born in December. What? Well, what do you mean by that? I mean he wasn't born in the month of December. You know. Yeah. And the you know the the bleak midwinter. You know we right? sing him about that. You know. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, Trey, we don't know when Jesus was born. We don't have. Uh, his actual birth date recorded in Scripture. And so, but over the years, December 25th has become that day that we set aside to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's great that we celebrate the birth of Jesus. The issue is, honestly, if you go back and do a little bit of research, the early church just wasn't interested in celebrating the birth of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because in the time of the early church, in the first, second century, in general, you really didn't celebrate birthdays at all. It mm -hmm. wasn't a big deal like it is in our culture. And so so it wasn't until several centuries after, you know, the establishment of the church that they began to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And so, so uh, you know, we assume that Jesus was probably born in a warmer month. You think mm -hmm. about us here in Charleston. Uh, if you think about over in Israel, Israel, uh, climate-wise, is very, at least in, in Galilee, yeah, right. and Jerusalem, uh, very similar to where we are here in Charleston. And the same, uh, same. Um, I guess that there'll be light, actually light we're, on, we're, line, we're on right? the same meridian. Yeah, I yeah, think. yeah. I think so. So anyway, so you know, when we go over there in February and we take a group from from it's Northwood, February. it's gonna be February. It's right. gonna be gold, right? And so it's just kind of the same temperature wise as it is as it is here. So so it's more likely. I mean, we see the shepherds out in the fields with the sheep. 
in the midst of a cold winter, they probably wouldn't be out in the fields mm -hmm. with the sheep. And so it probably happened. Some people say maybe in April, some say September, but certainly a warmer month. And so December is probably not the time that Jesus was born. So here's what did happen. And, and, and I think most people know that most people recognize that Jesus probably wasn't born in December, but what people assume is that the reason why we celebrate Christmas in December was Christians were replacing pagan holidays with Christian holidays. Mm -hmm. Now that did happen some, right? but the reality is, is that did not happen until later on in Christendom, mm -hmm. like after the time of Constantine. I don't know if you remember Emperor Constantine, but he was the emperor that legalized Christianity in the Roman Empire. And after that time is when they started, Christians started to replace uh, some of those pagan holidays with more Christian holidays. So is that is that a problem? You know, do people think, well, that was a pagan holiday, so that makes I, Christmas a pagan holiday. Is that? I, I don't I, think it's a problem. It's just what they did. Yeah, I, right? I, I don't. I actually see it as a good thing. They're, <laughs> right? they're replacing the bad with good, and yeah, we tell people sense, now when they come to the Lord, we'll replace the bad with the good. Right? You know, <laughs> there you go. But anyway, but but the deal is, is that the time Christians started celebrating the birth of Jesus, they weren't doing that. They right. weren't replacing a pagan holidays with Christian holidays, and so so. Here's what happened, and this is fascinating to me. So around 200 AD, uh, there was a church father by the name of Tertullian, and, and he took the Gospel of John, and he figured out that Jesus was crucified on the 14th of Nisan. Now, that's not a car they drove back in those days, right? <laughs> no. That's a month on the Hebrew calendar. And so, so, so you know, Passover, fifteenth um, of Nisan, probably. And so he 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 made the calculation that that um, Jesus uh, was crucified on the fourteenth or or fifteenth um, of Nisan. Mm -hmm. Follow. And and so so here's what they did in the early church. The early church was very interested, obviously, in the death and resurrection of yes. Jesus. Yes, they were. And so I don't know how this happened. I don't know what led to this conclusion. I mean, history just doesn't uh, give us a report on this. Uh, but the early church came to believe that Jesus was conceived on the same day of the year that he was crucified. Oh, okay. Right? Very interesting. So, so he took um, uh, the 14th of Nisan and calculated that the 14th of Nisan correlated with March 25th. Mm -hmm. So... Tertullian said that Jesus was crucified on March 25th, and also that Jesus was conceived on March 25th. Well, fast forward nine months later, and what date do you get? You get December 25th. December 25th. And so, you know, Tertullian said Jesus was born on December 25th because he was conceived on March 25th. So they tied, in the early church, what they did, they tied the conception the Immaculate mm -hmm. Conception, mm -hmm. with the crucifixion and yes. came up with the December 25th. And so that may be why we celebrate Christmas today on December 25th. Well, I'm going with That's it. That's wild, isn't it? I am going with it yeah, right well, now, go from with now it. on. Go with it. But we see that that was 200 CE. That was 200 AD. Right. And so that that is, you know, a couple hundred years before Constantine legalized Christianity. And that was a couple hundred years before that Christians began to replace some of those pagan holidays with more Christian versions of those holidays. So, so even then, there was some there was some connection there with the 25th, yeah, regardless, yeah, yeah, yeah. regardless yeah, of whether yeah. it's actually... We, we, we don't know. We don't know something. exactly, but that's, you know, kind of what you read in history. That, that's wild. But we do know that in all likelihood, Jesus was not born in December. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, number two, we don't know how Mary traveled to Bethlehem. I thought it was on a donkey. Isn't that in the Bible? Hmm. What verse? <laughs> 
Yeah, I went and looked that yeah, up. It's hard to find. Right? I even now, asked Google. Now, that's the assumption because we watch the Christmas movies on TV and we see pictures and books. And, and so we see, you know, Joseph walking along the way with a, a very pregnant Mary riding on a donkey as, as Joseph leads her. That may well have happened. That mm-hmm. could have been exactly how it happened. Right. We just don't know. Bible doesn't tell us that, you know, the way that, that, that Joseph escorted Mary to Bethlehem as they were on the way to pay their taxes. Mm-hmm. We just don't know, right? Now, I've been to Israel a couple of times, and so, so it's interesting to trace the journey from Nazareth down to Bethlehem, because when you, uh, and we did it in a bus, right? We didn't walk. We were in a bus. Um, actually, you can go to Israel, and, and there's one point in the year where they actually do a pilgrimage from Nazareth to Bethlehem, wow. and you can walk oh, the journey awesome. from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Uh, but we rode in a bus. took us about an hour, right? Mm-hmm. So we've taken Mary and Joseph three to four or five days to make that journey, that 65-mile journey. Um, but what you'll notice as you ride in a bus from Nazareth to Bethlehem is just the rugged terrain, hill after hill, desert land. I mean, it's it would have been a terrible journey. Mm-hmm. It's just rough. And you can imagine being very pregnant with child and making the way to Bethlehem. I mean, she may have ridden on the back of a donkey. We have no idea. The Bible doesn't tell us. But I do know, just after seeing it myself, man, that must have been one, you know, tremendous journey that they made with her being as pregnant as she was. Well, as a horseback rider, I can say that there is nothing uh, easy about riding a horse either. Yeah, so I yeah. can't imagine that a donkey would be any easier. Yeah. So hmm. regardless, it was a rough time. And you've never rode a horse pregnant either, have you? <laughs> Oh, not pregnant. <laughs> I can guarantee that. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah. Do, we don't know a lot, but we do know that. Yeah, there you go. Well, number three, we don't know how long Mary was in Bethlehem before she gave yeah, birth. Yeah, so I think we have an image in our mind that, you know, as soon as they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor and that night had a baby. Wow. May I, have happened I that way. I actually have always, yeah. So we, you wrote that down and I read it. I don't think I ever thought of yeah, that. Yeah, we just don't know. Again, th- th- we, we have, you know, assumptions of how it happened, but we just don't know because Scripture doesn't tell us. And, and so it could have been that, that Mary and, and Joseph traveled to Bethlehem weeks before mm-hmm. she actually gave birth or days. We, we just don't know, right? We have a picture in our mind, but again, the reality is we just don't know all the details. You know, it's uh, interesting because, you know, you, you can imagine if she, if she walked or rode a donkey, what is... What do doctors always tell you to do when you're getting ready to have a baby? Get out there and walk a little right, bit. Right. You know, well, here she was she walking. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. Maybe she did have it quick. But anyway, who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, number four, Mary and Joseph weren't told there's no room at the inn. Because there wasn't a Holiday Inn in Bethlehem. Uh, did you know that? Wow. I didn't. Uh, yeah, yeah. No Holiday Inn. No, I'm thinking about it no now. No Best Western. No Hojo. Hojo Howard Johnson. They still have those? Uh, no. Yeah, I think they're anyway. done. Well, Here's what probably happened, and I remember because when when Luke was four years old, uh, he was in he was the star mm. of the preschool Christmas play. He was Joseph, star in the right? making. There you and go. And I remember him making the journey on stage from Nazareth to Bethlehem. He got to Bethlehem. He knocked on the door of the hotel. The innkeeper said, "There's no room." Right. But the reality is, it's it's not likely that they stopped by a hotel and knocked on the door, and there was an innkeeper that said, "There's no room here." Here's what was more likely. So, so Joseph likely had relatives mm-hmm. in Bethlehem. That's where he's from. Right. And so yeah. Joseph likely went to a home of one of his relatives. And you can imagine that everybody was coming to Bethlehem to pay their taxes, the census, all those kinds of things. And so Joseph likely had other family members that traveled to Bethlehem as well. And they met at a family home somewhere, and it was jam-packed with people. Now, now here's how sure, here's how sense. a first century home in Bethlehem would have been built. 
you would have a bottom floor. Mm -hmm. And on that bottom floor was a, a big open common area, kind of a big family room. And what would happen, especially, you know, in, in the cooler months of the year, on that bottom floor, they would let the animals in. Mm -hmm. And so animals in the cooler months would sleep in the home. Hence, there'll be a manger in the home on the bottom floor. But here's what would not happen on the bottom floor. Guests would not sleep there. Hmm. Where a guest would sleep would be on the upper level. There was a room on the upper level of the home uh, that was a guest room, right? So, right. so what probably happened is that there was no room in the guest room. Mm -hmm. That when Mary and Joseph got there, all the family was there. Uh, there were people upstairs in the guest room. There was no place for them in the home. And so they probably stayed in that common family area where the manger was and Mary had Jesus there. Or... Uh, if you go to Bethlehem today and you go to the church of the nativity that supposedly marks a spot of where Jesus was born, the church of, Na of the nativity is built over a cave system. And so mm -hmm. some historians say that maybe, you know, Jesus was born, you know, in a cave outside of a family home. But certainly it wasn't, you know, that, that when they arrived in Bethlehem, that there was no room at the inn as mm -hmm. far. I know, I know that in our Bible translations, we see the word inn, mm -hmm. but that's probably not the best translation of that particular Greek word. The, probably the better translation of that particular Greek word is, is guest room. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And we have plenty of archaeological evidence that kind of demonstrates the type of homes that they lived in and, and how there would be a guest room on the second floor. And that's, that's where Mary and Joseph couldn't get to because it was already full of family when they got there. Well, so that leads us to number five, which obviously you've already talked to. Jesus was not born in a stable. Really? Well, that's that's, what, that's what I wrote down, isn't it? That's what you wrote down. But you've got some nativity scenes at your home, don't you? And he's in a stable. He's in a stable. Yes. Why is he in a stable? Uh, because because I that's guess where they, animals stay. Exactly. Right? But not in the first century. In the first century, uh, the animals would be around the home. I mean, like on the outside of the home, and then they would be inside in the cooler months in that, that family dwelling area that we don't have any evidence of, you know, a wooden barn or stable like we might see, you know, in, in early American culture. We just don't have any evidence of that. So it's not likely that Jesus was actually born in a stable. So you need to take all your nativity scenes back, I'm, don't I, you? I'm going home yeah, to do that should. right now. You should. You know, and that and that's interesting because that leads us directly to number six, because I was just about to ask you a question about winter. If, if it was winter and the animals were in there, you know, then maybe he was born in December. I don't know. But yeah, so we say that, again, because the, the, the shepherds were keeping watch by their flocks at night, that it's more likely that it was in the warmer months when the shepherds actually did that. They wouldn't mm -hmm. have done that in the cooler months in December or January, February. And so it's more likely that, um, you know, it was in a warmer month. And if it was in a warmer month, if Jesus was born in maybe April or September, then the animals probably would not have been sleeping in the home. They would have been sleeping outside the home. And so, so the reality is, again, we don't know. When we think about our nativity scene that we have up at the house, or we think about the live nativity scene we go to and take our kids to, we see the, the animals and what have you. They may have been there. But the Bible just doesn't say. The Bible doesn't say there was, you know, cattle there or there were cattle lowing or, you know, whatever the case may be, right? But we just don't know. It could very well be that they, that Mary came to that home with Joseph. She was very pregnant. And maybe they ran the animals out of the house so she could have mm -hmm. a little bit of privacy to have the baby. We just don't know. I think we, we always assume because the word manger is used that there were animals there, but it doesn't say that. It just doesn't say. Could have so, been, but we just don't know. And so the truth is, is that there might not have been any animals around. Maybe not. All right. Number seven, 
and I completely agree with this, and I completely disagree with the, the hymn. Uh, <laughs> it was not a silent night. That's a beautiful hymn, though, isn't it? It is a gorgeous Man, hymn. Man, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. But but your wife had a few kids. Oh, boy. How silent was that? None. <laughs> Zero. Matter of fact, they took the child out of the room so she could get some rest. Right, right, right. There is nothing quiet about the birth of a child, Right. And, and so we, we like to think of that night as so peaceful, away in the manger, no crib for the bed, little Lord Jesus, no crying he made, all those kinds of things. I mean, that sounds really good and makes for a nice song, but but you and I know the truth. It probably didn't happen that way. Uh, I don't you know so. what I'm saying? I mean, a, a baby born in, in, in a, a, a room where sometimes the animals were, it was chaotic, it was messy, it was, it was loud. I can guarantee you that. So... Mm-hmm. It just probably wasn't a silent night. I, I would say it wasn't. You know? Especially with family around, right? You just running in to help Mary out. Can we help you? Can we get you something? I mean, I, man, I bet it, ah, man, I, I hope when we get to heaven, we can see on the DVR. Well, I don't know if I want to see that on the DVR or not, actually, but I bet it was wild and crazy. I'll bet you it was. Everything going on that night was anything but silent. That's exactly right. Number eight, the angels didn't sing when they appeared to the shepherds. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. But they spoke, didn't they? That's what Luke 2 says. When you look at Luke 2, and the angels appeared to the shepherds, they spoke and they said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men, right? Now, they could have sang. We don't know that. But what we know the scripture says is the scripture says they spoke. That's Mm -hmm. interesting, right? But it doesn't make for a good song to say, Hark the Herald Angels Said, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah, it sounds a whole lot better than say, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I actually had one of my professors in, in college, Bible college, tell us that only the only the redeemed can sing. And so that was one of the reasons that the angels spoke. He said he actually said that the angels always speak, they don't sing. Huh, that's interesting. And uh, anyway, just, just well, a thought. There so, you have it. Uh, but so the angels didn't sing. Number nine, the shepherds didn't follow a star to the manger. Ah, wow, that ruins my whole childhood. Right, because when you think of the nativity scene and all the nativity scenes that you've ever seen, see, that's a lot to say. All the nativity scenes that you have ever seen. There you go. There we go. Man, there's always a star right above, a bright shining star. Exactly. But the star was for who? It was for the wise men. Right, and we'll get to this in a moment, but the wise men weren't there. But that's another story for another time, like <laughs> two minutes from now. So on the night that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, We have no indication in Luke's gospel. Luke is the one who gives us the account of the shepherds Uh being there at the birth of Jesus. Matthew focuses on the the wise men, right? In Luke's gospel, he mentions nothing of a star. And I think that's pretty interesting because you can imagine, right? You can imagine because what what the angel says to the shepherds in Luke chapter 2 is, Go to Bethlehem. And you will find a babe in a manger wrapped in swaddling clothes, right? Mm -hmm. Says nothing of a star. Didn't give him an address, did he? No, he did not. Right? Then say go to, you know, 453 Camel Street and you'll find the kid. <laughs> and then do that. And so I imagine, and again, I want to see the DVR of this for sure when, when we get to heaven, that, that, that when the shepherds made their way to Bethlehem, they just started knocking on doors. They had to. Right? I don't know hey, is there a baby way. here? What are we talking about? What an angel told me there would be a baby somewhere in Bethlehem. And can you imagine? I bet that night those shepherds woke up everybody in Bethlehem <laughs> looking for that baby. Everyone would have known that yeah, there's a baby a, being yeah, born yeah, in a yeah, manger yeah. somewhere. It wasn't a silent night. No, it was not. Again, getting back to that, <laughs> right. amen? It was, but I bet it was crazy. Oh, amen. Well, number 10, the wise men were not there the night Jesus was born. Hey, you got some nativity scenes at your house, don't you? And I got the wise men right there. Move right them to the kitchen. there. Move them to the kitchen. Okay. 
tonight they're going to the kitchen. <laughs> right? They're going on the countertop. Because they weren't there the night that Jesus was born, were they? No, they were not. We don't know exactly when they showed up, but it, it, they didn't show up in Bethlehem. It was sometime later, according to Matthew's gospel, that the wise men actually showed up. And we had a conversation about this yesterday, Trey. It, it, it could have been as much as two years later. Mm-hmm. Remember when, when Herod issued the, the decree for all the firstborn males to be you know, slaughtered in Bethlehem after the birth of Jesus because he was afraid that this might actually be the king of the Jews, as mm-hmm. the, the, the wise men said. He killed the babies that were how old? Two years and younger. Two years and younger. And so, so, so King Herod thought, man, maybe this child's been around for a couple of years. And so it could have been you know, that, that the wise men didn't show up hmm. until a couple of years after the birth of Jesus. And they were the ones that were given the star. Okay. Right? Well, let me ask, seriously. So the issue of the wise men, I mean, is it a bad bad deal that we somehow incorporate them into the whole Christ birth narrative? Well, they're part of the Christ birth narrative. I mean, we, we know this, right, that we have two Gospels that give us the account of the birth of Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're just from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. When when Matthew writes his Gospel, he's writing to a Jewish audience, and, and so so he's helping them to uh, see it from a Jewish perspective. He's he's looking at, at it from the perspective of Joseph, where where Luke looks at it from the perspective of Mary, and so they just, they, they're complimentary stories, but they're from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And so, again, Matthew focuses on Joseph and Herod and the wise men, where Luke focuses on Mary and her family and, and the shepherds. Mm-hmm. It's just different focuses, right? And so so I don't think it's wrong to include the wise men in the story because they're part of the story. They just mm-hmm. weren't there the night Jesus was born. So if you go home this afternoon, if you're listening, just move them somewhere else. <laughs> just get them out of the yeah, way. Yeah, just get them out of the way. And, and, and maybe, you know, two years from now, bring them out. <laughs> There you go. Right. I never thought of it that well, think way. Think about this. This is interesting about the wise and get, men. But get rid of the shepherds and bring them in. How about that? There you in two go. years. There you go. That's right. Just trade them out. <laughs> so here's what's interesting, right? I, I don't know how much you know about wise men, Trey. And, and here's what we know, that the wise men came from the east. Mm-hmm. We don't know exactly where they came from, Persia. Uh, there are some Bible scholars that say they may have came from the east, Babylon. Wow. Now, this is interesting to me. So remember... The Babylonian captivity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Who was in Babylon in the Old Testament that was significant? There's a whole book name for him. Daniel. Daniel. Mm-hmm. Daniel. Daniel in chapter two, verse forty-eight, was giving charge over the wise men. Wow. Now a wise man in, in those days was an astrologer. They mm-hmm. looked at the stars and and the cosmos and and noticed the different things that were happening in the sky, comets, where the case may be. And, and so so in 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 Daniel two forty eight, Daniel was given charge over the wise men in Babylon. So it may have been it may have been. Now it's we don't amazing. know for sure, but we may have been that that. Obviously, Daniel was a Hebrew, mm-hmm. a devout Hebrew, believed in the God of, of of the Hebrews. It could have been that you know. Daniel exposed those astrologers in his time mm-hmm. to the Word of God. And then as generation after generation passed, those astrologers that were in Babylon were exposed to the Word of God through Daniel so many years earlier. Mm-hmm. Right? Makes sense to you? Yeah. And, and so, so in the Old Testament, there is a specific prophecy, right? In Numbers chapter 24, 17. This is a crazy story. Can't take too much time with this. Uh, but there was a, a, a guy named Balaam. Remember Balaam? He had mm-hmm. the donkey that talked. Yep. Right, and and there was a guy named Balak who tried to get Balaam to curse the Hebrew people. I remember that. But God yes. would not let Balaam curse the Hebrew people, and 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 Balaam, God spoke through Balaam and made a specific prophecy in Numbers twenty four seventeen. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. A star 
shall come out of Jacob. It could have been that those astrologers in the first century, those wise mm -hmm. men who lived in the east, maybe from Babylon, they looked up and they saw that that cosmological appearance, a star, a comet, whatever it was, and they remembered Numbers 24, 17, because centuries earlier, Daniel had been in Babylon and had influenced the astrologers of the day, and it just got, got passed down from generation to generation. And told them to look for that star, maybe. Isn't that crazy? Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, wise men. So, so we need to get to number 11, and we'll be done. Number 11, there may have been more or less than three wise men. Yeah, so in every nativity scene that you see, you probably see three wise men. Exactly three. Why do you think we see three? I'm guessing because of the gifts. Yeah, because we see the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So it must have been three, right? But we just don't know. There could have been five, could have been 10, 15, 20. We just don't know. It's just another one of those traditions that we have. We've been singing a song about it, right? Mm -hmm. We three kings of Orion art. But at the end of the day, we just don't know how many came. Wow. Well, this has been incredibly interesting, Pastor. Yeah. You know, just to kind of separate the tradition from the, from the facts fact. of the Word yeah, of God yeah, yeah. and just kind of focus on what what really happened yeah, that night. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the most important thing is that Jesus became man for us, yeah. you know. Inspire the traditions and whatever what we need to be certainly aware of this Christmas is the reality that God came to us Amen. in the flesh, Jesus Christ. Peace on earth, goodwill to men. He is the savior of the world. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Tommy, why don't you close us out and just wish everyone a Merry Christmas. Yes, man. I, I do hope that you and your family have a wonderful Christmas, and I hope that this podcast today has been helpful for you and enjoyable. Hey, it's Christmas Eve. Tomorrow is Christmas Day. Listen to this podcast over and over again just because you can. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> sure. But certainly if it has helped you, get in the Christmas spirit. Share this with somebody and, 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 and talk about what God is doing in your life. And let's today and tomorrow and this Christmas season celebrate the goodness of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if this podcast has helped you today, go ahead right now and click that subscribe button so you can have new content delivered to your device every single week. Share this with a friend. And God bless you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we hope, as always, that this episode has helped you connect faith to life. <laughs>